Welcome to UC Today with me, David Dungay. We're going to be having a channel conversation today, and I have Mr. Paul Gibbs, Sales Director of MyPhones. Welcome to the show, Paul. How are you today? I'm very well, Mr. Dungay, and yourself? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very much looking forward to getting back into some civilised society and uh, exploring some pub gardens with a few industry members in the not-so-distant future. How about yourself? Yeah, very, very, very much the same. I'm actually looking forward to venturing inside of a pub, though. I've, I, I don't know why. I know we did last year, but it seems like an eternity ago that I enjoyed a draft beer sat inside a pub. So, uh, yes, I will be partaking of one of those very shortly. Excellent. So, um, Paul, uh, for our viewers who might not be familiar with yourself and my phones, do you want to give us a quick introduction um, to yourself and the business? Yeah, so uh, as uh, you kindly introduced me, my name is Paul Gibbs, Sales Director of MyPhones. Uh, I've been with the business just under a year and a half. Um, I you know, have been doing hosted telephony for pretty much my whole career. Um, and I joined MyPhones because um, I, I saw an opportunity, frankly. I think that um, you know, the business had operated very quietly and sort of under the radar, but had accumulated you know, what is now uh, over 85,000 seats. Um, which is which is fantastic, um, and because of that, um, you know, we we had a look at you know what we needed to do to reinvigorate the brand and, and take it out to the channel, and that's that's really what you know we've been looking at over the last sort of twelve months. Excellent. So, I mean, over the last year, do you want to give us a bit of an update on you know what you've been doing in the market? What products and services have you released to really empower your partners to uh, go forth and prosper? Yeah, you know, as I said before, I think um, yeah, the, the the brand was reasonably quiet, um, and so you know we rebranded. That was probably the first thing we did, um, and really took our message out to the channel um, and spoke with a much louder voice. Um, hopefully, that's not just mine, um, but yeah, we spoke with a, a much louder voice really uh, out there, and that that came you know in, in in a number of ways. So it was brand, it was a refreshed portal. And so we, you know, we completely reinvigorated our portal, um, which our partners really loved. Um, and then, you know, you couldn't ignore the uh, charge with Microsoft Teams. Um, so Microsoft Teams integration became, you know, became very apparent that we needed to integrate with MS Teams. So we worked very hard. I say we worked very hard. Uh, the development team worked very hard um, to to launch Microsoft Teams and. It wasn't just launching Microsoft Teams integration; it was actually making it stand out against our competition. And I think the the way we've done that is, you know, our integration is very elegant. And what I mean by that is, it's very easy to to integrate. It's very easy to set up. There's no diving into other portals or having to do certain things. It's incredibly easy and incredibly elegant. And that was, you know, for for us was a a key differentiator. So launch the launching of Teams. And then, um, you know, really, we've got a number of things coming down the, you know, coming through the roadmap um, as we speak. So I think you'll see a lot more from us over the next few months. So, Paul, tell me a little bit more about um, your Microsoft Teams integration. There are many, many routes for partners to work uh, within the sort of Teams ecosystem, especially when it comes to adding voice services in, into into the into the product. Um, you know, why 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 the integration route, and how does that differ from perhaps some of the other methods we're seeing out there in the market? I think the, the, the biggest challenge um, was perhaps education around, you know, what is Microsoft Teams? 
what what can it deliver what can't it deliver and if I take certain flavors of um, you know breakout with Microsoft Teams what, what do I get and what don't I get so the first thing you know was um, we added a whole Microsoft segment to our Academy um, so Microsoft you know I, for, I forgot to say that earlier but my phones developed a, a sort of an online learning Academy last year uh, to train our partners and that's gone down very well uh, but part of that was a Microsoft education piece and really to understand you know what, what I can get directly from Microsoft what I can get through direct routing you know so with direct routing uh, you know yes I get breakout I get an, a, a set of inbound functionality um, but that's it there's still some limitations and you've still got to understand how to configure Microsoft Teams and the integration piece at the back end um, and you know then it came to you know our our integration so as I said before it, it meant that you know we wanted to deliver the feature rich PBX functionality that we've thrived on for years um, and developed for years as well um, and we wanted to underpin Microsoft Teams with certain functions that that frankly it just can't deliver you know and it's very it's catching up incredibly fast you can do a lot with Microsoft Teams itself um, but making it easy to deploy and also you know not disadvantage disadvantaging the the, the end user by saying yeah move to the cloud mr end user but actually you're going to miss it yeah oh you can't do that with microsoft teams you're going to miss out on all of these functions they take it as read that oh i'm moving to the cloud so you know i'll just get that and actually that's just not true um so you know adding those features and functions that they may have got used to over the years um into into microsoft teams was key for us and that's what we've done and actually i've been pleasantly surprised um, by the take up because there was part of me that thought well perhaps it might just be a tick box exercise um, you know that yes we integrate with Microsoft Teams oh good okay but actually the the amount of licenses we're deploying now monthly on Microsoft Teams is, is fantastic so um, clear, clearly up, that sort of uptake um, driven by you know the the uptake of remote working and the move to hybrid workings we're hearing a lot a lot about that um, you know outside of that Sort of that Teams ecosystem. I mean, what what are you seeing at a at a, at a customer level and a, a partner uh, level? You know, what kind of opportunities are presenting themselves right now? I think well, it's a big big question that David. I think you know we all saw the opportunity to deliver remote working in the first instance. You know, so everyone saw a huge uptake on on um, devices and things that meant they could work from home. But now it's it's a bit more of a educated um, look at around what am I going to deliver for remote workers? How am I, you know, when I go back to the office, what technology do I need in the office? What technology can I give those individuals that they can come and go as they please? And I think that you said it there that give, giving them that hybrid model so that they can they can. Um, you know, I used the word earlier, but not be disadvantaged by working from home. But there's a lot of things that you have to think about, you know, delivering remote working, you know, in the first instance, everyone was like, you've got Zoom or you've got Teams, that's it, you're golden. And here's a headset. It's so much more than that now, isn't it? You know, it's, it's okay, I want to be able to work in my office environment and it'd be very similar to how I work in the office. And that might be things that, you know, for an employer, that might be things like, oh, okay, they want multiple screens on their desk. 
you know they want uh, you know office chairs they want a desk that's the right fit for them all of that thing is a consideration now and, and, and really can be part of the remote working bundle that, that employers are delivering yeah absolutely um, and of course Paul we're talking on a Friday afternoon at the end of uh, mental health week as well and you know I think I think we've all learned a little bit about mental health yeah. over the last year um, especially when you sort of roll that into the the well-being implications of you know this remote working world we're living in you know what what, what have you sort of learned over the last year in, in terms of that well-being piece I think I've learned some uh, you know personally I've learned some very uh, stark lessons you know a, a very good friend of mine uh, unfortunately took his own life in August last year um, you know I'd known Nick uh, Nick Duckfield for years he was a real industry character uh, very successful at what he did um, and you know like a lot of it no one no one saw it coming no one no one really and, and as part of that you know I, I asked myself a lot of questions around you know could I have done more did I talk to Nick enough and I, but I think the huge positive that's come out of Covid and uh, is you, you know the fact that it has affected pe people's mental health but on the flip side, it has, uh, you know, meant that people are thinking about other people's mental health more. We are asking the questions, are you really OK? Um, we are listening and hopefully we're looking out for the signs that, you know, people are you know, quietly struggling. Um, but, you know, I think enabling people to to talk more and being open and saying, you know, you, you, you can have a chat with me about that. Um, is key because you know I think you know from from my point of view it was it was hard to understand when someone was so successful and, and and on the on the outside had such a such a you know nice life why you would do that but you know I think now um, you know mental health is is a is key and I'm really pleased that we've had this week and you know looking at LinkedIn and Facebook people have put some incredibly brave posts up uh, around their experiences with their family and their friends and how they coped with it um, and, and I just think it's fantastic that we're all talking more and you know and, and the, the there's lots of different avenues to go down um, to, to, to get to that before you get to that point yeah absolutely I mean well well-being on you know mental health is uh, you know clearly it's hot on everyone's mind right now I think mm, um, yeah. I don't think everyone necessarily uh, knows you know how how to address it right now you know it's great that we're all talking a little bit more um, from a from a reseller point of view um, you know do you see are you seeing resellers sort of taking steps to educate their, their customers on how they should be approaching that from a either a management point of view or a technology point of view um, yeah because I think it comes hand in hand so you know from a from a management point of view you know we are seeing um, resellers and, and end users alike their, their businesses right so they're putting steps in to say okay we need to deal with or not not we need to deal with is the wrong word we need to put steps in place that our employees know that they've got someone to talk to so you know a lot of people have trained their employees on mental health being being the person that they you know and putting them forward and saying you can, if you're struggling you can come and speak to these individuals trained individuals and they're they'll you know they'll, they'll listen um i think the remote working side of it um you know the, the clues in the word it can be quite lonely it can be quite remote and you know i think getting the balance right between human interaction and and also the benefits of working from home 
has has been the challenge so i know a lot of businesses and actually you know the business that own us southern communications um, we did a survey you know we've got around 370 people and i think we're we're no different to the to the to the whole industry in the fact that what came back was quite a blended blended approach of a sort of actually i'd like to be in two three days a week and then work from home for the remainder um because that gives you that human interaction seeing people bouncing off each other and and even talking about any issues that you might have uh, and then going back to working from home you know so you can deal with the um sort of the life admin and the you know any family any family commitments that you've got um whilst you work from home and it's getting that balance right and i think in the long run that will be a hugely positive step for for everybody because you'll get that balance we won't be tied to our desks you know nine to five five days a week it'll be it'll be a better balance and i think that'll benefit the family environments hugely yeah i absolutely agree um you know i don't think we I think we've got some things to figure out as a as an industry, as you know, as as all of our business community does. Yeah. Um, but it feels like we're getting a little bit closer now, and you know, people are becoming aware of those those key issues. Um, but Paul, tell tell me, you know, so as as a as a vendor, you know, your your view of the the hosted market, you know, here in the UK, it's a very competitive place. You know, after after a twelve eighteen months of a, a pandemic where we saw people racing home for and deploying these remote technologies um you know including y- yourselves um you know what what is your what does a hosted market look like to, to you today i think you know i think we have to be very real about it and and look at what resellers have had to do to help their end users get through this pandemic so you know the behaviors that certainly we've seen has be have been that the smaller resellers or the small to medium resellers have perhaps been um, looking to shore up their base, you know, to go out to their customers and perhaps re-sign them, um, you know, onto longer term contracts and, and really secure their relationships for the long term. Um, and the larger resellers, of course, we all want to sell new stuff every every day, um, you know, and that that goes through small to large resellers, but in reality i think that um the the what i call net new business has you know has perhaps slowed down um because you know customers haven't been in their office and they've they've taken the applications they might be working with teams or zoom whatever they're using and they're using that until the point where we start going back to work or going back to you know our office space and then they're gonna you know the positive step step for us or the positive thing that i think we'll all see is there'll be another wave of uh, change and change for the change for the better, you know? Because I think they'll be looking at, okay, what do we do now? What do we do with our PBX that perhaps hasn't serviced us that well in the pandemic, and it was challenging to get diverts put on, and you know? So I think that that we're all looking at ways of getting our net new sales up to what they were before before the pandemic. The larger the larger resellers, I think, are still selling an awful lot. You know, I think the seats are being deployed, but perhaps they're selling them into their existing bases. You know, when you've got thousands of end users on your books, it's quite easy to sell them other things into your own base. And, I think, you know, we've definitely seen that um, across, you know, internally and also, you know, externally. When I when I speak to my sort of colleagues in the industry, I think we're all seeing that. You know, we are, we're being successful at selling, but perhaps into our 
existing base more than a than a brand new end user. Um, yeah, and that that's been the, the, the big thing really that I, I think we've seen in the last 12, 12 months is is the is, is the fact that people want to shore it up. And now I think we're all thinking about what's next. You know, that next wave of people going back to the office and what that's going to mean for change is is huge. But also, you know, we can't get away from the fact of you know the switch off is coming, um, and and that's that's been a big talking point in the industry because what are we going to deliver? What are we you know what's going to be delivered there? You know, so Sagia, are you know what are we doing about the the one or two user shops that are out there? You know, butcher I always call it butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers that are out there. Um, you know, and and you know what are those people going to do? Um, because they've traditionally had a phone line. Uh, or an analog line, uh, you know, with a phone and, and their broadband, and they they're going to have to change now. And we are, we are the people to take them, um, or, or to, to show them what what's out there and to take them along that change path. Um, yeah, so you know, absolutely. everyone's I been mean, sort of educating themselves or how they do that. Yeah, I mean, the channel's going to be so crucial in this in this um, period of change. You know, mm. for, for small businesses particularly. Uh, the switch off, obviously, referring to the um, the switch off of the uh, the ISDN network in 2025. Uh, we've, you know, we've had a we were talking about it for six coming up to seven seven years now. Um, you know, are your partners? You know, are they are they ready for this? Or, or maybe I should ask. You know, are the customers uh, ready for this? Um, you know, we've seen a huge amount of change in the last 12 months, but I think in a lot of ways we needed. Um, you know, a bit of a catalyst to to get people in the right position. But are, are we there yet? I think. Um, oh God, this is a, that's a big statement, right? But you know, if you look at what's happened in Europe, some countries knew that change was coming, but kind of just didn't believe it and just didn't do anything. And then it got switched off. And then you had hundreds of thousands of end users sat there with no services. And you know, I hope that that doesn't happen with us and in fact i know it won't happen with us because you know as a channel i think we are very good at looking after our end user you know end user bases and and showing them the services that they they need to adopt and if they don't adopt them this is what's going to happen um so you know i think that's perhaps been you know a lot of resellers are looking around for services that they can roll out that will replace that technology um for their end users because you know they are in their hundreds of thousands um in fact probably millions but you know it's it's that they're they're out there and those businesses are going to have to going to have to change in a certain time frame because you know once the once the copper or the you know the analog lines get switched off you know it's a huge change you know what am i going to run my broadband on and what my how my service is going to be delivered um so a lot of people are looking to do a bundled offering and say, OK, Mr. Customer, we'll offer you this now. And as part of this comes your connectivity also comes up, you know, your hosted telephony. Um, and they might not even call it hosted telephony, your telephony to replace your phone that you've had for many years sitting on your sitting on your, uh, you know, the hairdresser's front front desk reception. Um, that that can be changed. And, you know, here, here's the price, monthly price. And it's about again, it's about making it easy, making it easy to understand. So I think a lot of our resellers are are looking at that service and how they can deliver it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, well, they say, you know, change is the uh, only constant in life, right? So, um, but of course, we've seen, uh, looking at the M&A and the deal activity here in the UK, you know, a lot of partners are taking this um, period or this opportunity, if you like, to actually uh, get out of the market or, um, you know, s s sell up. I mean, what, what are you seeing on that front? Are you seeing that sort of consolidation? Huge amounts. Yeah, huge amounts. You know, look at look at some of the purchases and some of the companies that have been bought in the last couple of months alone. It's 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 a very buoyant um, marketplace for, you know, purchasing uh, and, and, you know, and consolidation. I think a lot of resellers are are actually looking at how do I how do I drive my business forward and can I drive my business forward without a uh, without investment externally? You know, so if I. If I want to take it from a two million pound business to a seven million pound business, it, it's not easy. You know, I'm going to have to invest a lot of cash in personnel and, you know, different models of selling and the way we go to market. Um, so a lot of them are looking to the experts and th those experts are the people that have perhaps bought a lot of businesses. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, Southern, you know, as an example. You know, we've bought, I think, 24 businesses in the last five years, um, you know, and you, you, every day is a school day. You know, you buy, you buy a new business and you learn something when you when you do that purchase. Um, but I think it, it's very active. I think a lot of resellers are also looking to value their businesses. OK, I've been working on this business for 10 years. What's it worth? And, and to get to that next level. I think there needs to be more education around what you need to do and what steps you need to put in place to drive your business valuation on, um, because it's it's not that widely talked about, you know. And and actually, I think I think the thirst for knowledge in that market, you know, if if I if I was a reseller and I want to drive my business on, what am I going to need to do? How how do I do it? And is it kind of worth it? Is it? Am I going to get the return that I want? By doing by doing those, those those steps, so you know again, I think that's on us as a channel to to openly talk about um, yeah. what makes businesses desirable and yeah, or not. Well, the big the big question then, Paul, um, you know, what what makes a, a partner base, if you like, a, a, an attractive proposition? You know, what what are those drivers of value that you talk about? So I think they're multifaceted really but i think one of the, the the biggest thing we can't get away from what makes a business incredibly attractive is is their percentage of recurring revenue yeah because if you get you go out and see if you're floating sort of under 70 percent especially during covid that's probably a scary place to be because um you know you want your you want your business to recur pay the bills um and allow you to allow you to put the prop, some of the profit back in and grow, grow your business um, and recurring revenue is key and for those that were perhaps living hand to mouth or um, had uh, you know they had they needed certain amounts of cash in every month um, to keep going yeah that, it's been a challenge and hats off to all those guys that have pivoted and changed and 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 weathered the storm because I think that's exactly what it has been um, but my big thing is recurring revenue um, and of course you've got customer base you know contract terms but but actually when you get to the nuts and bolts of it recurring revenue and ebit um are are the two main um are the two key things that i think a lot of purchasing business will, will look at you know 
how much you know what's your EBIT what's your recurring revenue how long are the contracts what does your customer base look like you know you don't want it too heavy in one vertical we've seen that quite a lot as well or you, and you don't want your business um, top heavy so you don't want to have three or four massive customers and a smattering of small ones you want that balance to be you know quite good so so if your top customer left you or your top end user left you it wouldn't leave you high and dry so you know it's looking at all of those all of those composite parts uh, and making your business desirable and that I'm talking like it's easy that's incredibly difficult to do um, because you know none of us turn down business and you know if we get successful in a certain vertical um, then then why should we not drive on to that but actually diversifying it does increase your business value yeah okay well that's great look paul um coming to the end of the uh, session today um I, what i really want to ask you actually um what are you excited about other, other than uh, you know seeing people again and going you know for those industry uh, networking events again um you know what 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 excites you about the remainder of 2021 i think we've discussed a lot of it actually david i think that um what excites me is the 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 wave of change that's coming. I think change is, uh, when I say change, I think that change will mean success for the channel because I think a lot of the end users will be looking at what they've had, how they've coped, what technologies they've got, and will be looking for change. And I think that will mean a huge amount of activity at reseller level to end user, um, which is which is great. And we're all wanting to get back to, like I said, the, the levels of net new business that we had before. But also things like the switch off and becoming experts and walking people down the path of that, of what that's going to look like. That, of course, is exciting for, for us because we've got the technologies that that um, sit on the other end of that, you know, which is uh, which is fantastic. So I'm really excited and actually incredibly positive around um, what 2021 and 2022 is going to look like for the channel, because I think that. Um, I wrote something last year and, uh, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn, I think was the, the quote. But I thought the dawn was I thought we were coming out of the lockdown, as I think a lot of us did. But we, but we weren't, you know, and it's been a lot longer than anyone anticipated. But, yeah, I'm touching my desk at the moment. I think with with us coming and getting out and about again now, I think um, I think the nation can can get back to some semblance of normality. Um, and with that, we'll become, we'll become, you know, as a channel, I think we'll be very successful. Well, Paul, look, um, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Mr. Dungay, and I'll see you soon. And thank you for watching. You've been watching me, Mr. David Dungay, on UC Today. If you like today's conversation, please give us a like and a share on social media. It's always appreciated. That's it from me. Thanks for stopping by.